Hello, welcome to the Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers Podcast. Live at large in New York. I'm Rabbit Number One, Michael Nunez, and the other Rabbit with me today, Sophie Croyd. And today we'll be talking about the ethos and pathos of open source software. Open source has existed for some time, and we are going to talk about you know what could motivate one to want to participate in open source and, you know, some of the fancy schmancy words I said at the very beginning of the title of this episode. Yeah. What is this, this ethos of which we speak? Should we look at that a little bit? What's the definition of ethos? Yes, I'll do my best for this definition. The ethos is the characteristic spirit of a culture, era, a community as manifested in its beliefs and aspirations. There you go. Yeah. So imagine that. Imagine like in terms of like applying that kind of definition to software, it's more like, you know, building a community of a piece of software that you either want to use or you see that should be free for everyone. Yeah, yeah. It it reminds me of those like dramedy masks, right? You see like in drama, the one mask that's like smiling and the one that's frowning right so like what what's the ethos that we're trying to get out in open source it seems like it's a it can be a little bit of both you know really we want this like open source we want dissemination of knowledge there's even a in one of these articles there's a metaphor that's used that compares the ethos of open source software to like a pollination process in nature and how it creates like natural biodiversity and therefore a more resilient ecosystem yeah, and I think that I mean I get it. We got to make money, right? We got to pay for food and you know have to charge people things and services. But I think that like as you mentioned, the idea that being able to share information helps the community and people grow as far as that information can go. Right? Like if you're behind a paywall, you know, chances are people who may not have access to funds to be able to pay may not get that information. Very similar to buying software. If you have a piece of software, I don't know, it comes to, what comes to mind? I mean, let's say you had to use a chart framework that exists and you have to pay for one versus an open source one. Well, you know, you may have less individuals who have access to be able to pay for this framework. So the open source one might be appealing to some folks as well. It may not be as good because, you know, people like to work for monies. <laughs> that's that's true, but then like, that's the big question. And then maybe here we're getting into the pathos part of it. We want this sustainable open source culture, but if people aren't getting what they need in order for the situation to be sustainable, then there's this sense of like anger, frustration, you know, something's not not quite right there. Right. And I think like definitely have to check with your sustainability to be able to contribute to open source, right? Like if you're in need of funds or some kind of asset and open source is in the ethos definition, you're doing this for the benefit of the community. It may not be the thing that you are capable of doing at the moment, right? Like I know that there's a lot of software engineers who work in the daytime, right? They put in their 40 hours and then they are writing some form of open source software for individuals to use. And I think a lot of the libraries that we use as of right now fall into this thing where it's like, I mean, I had asked earlier before the recording, I am so grateful of Slick Carousel. 
<laughs> as a package that I can uh, use yeah, yeah. to create carousels. I've never like anytime I'm at a client where they're going to ask me to use a carousel and it's like, well, I know a package that already works. It does it very well. And it's easy and accessible. And ha- people have thought about all this particular problems it, that come. You know? yeah, yeah, they cared about their craft enough to come together based on shared goals like collaboration, communication, and, you know, commitment to building something. And they made something that lots of people can use. So that's pretty awesome. Right. And I think, you know, some person might have been like, I've had it. I am not building another carousel. I'm going to build this one and share with all. And then some people may have resonated with that message to be able to then go and help build out this thing during their, their time. On, on some level that that's like enough for some open source developers that they you know collaborated and built something cool because I think it might be for me on some level not if it started really taking over my life and I was putting in 60 hours a week on it or something like that but before that point I, I would find that pretty motivating you know I get to build something cool with other smart capable people it's going to get used I learned something what do you think? I mean, yeah, it, especially if like it could go two ways, right? Say you started building this project yourself and slowly people started using it. So then you feel motivated like, oh my God, like there are other people who are validating this need for my open source project that's going to give me motivation to continue building. That's one way as I saw your message. But the second one is also, I'm going to help contribute to this open source software. And people within that team are accepting the changes that I have in mind, which I think is also pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I think that, you know, when there is a need for a particular package that exists, I imagine that like the community of software engineers will slowly find that particular package and then raise it up, right? We can think about, you know, GraphQL is one of those packages, I believe, that is open source. And yeah. a ton of people love it and they use it. And you're able to use it, you know, for your day-to-day work. And if you find something that could be useful, you can definitely go and, you know, submit yeah, a pull request if you need to. Maybe you're, you know, you're coding along and, and you find something and you think, gee, what just be improved if I could fix this and submit a PR, you know, to this open source library, and then this would no longer be a problem. That's that happens, you know, it happens to all of us. So I guess maybe it's just about taking that extra step and then going and finding the library and GitHub and submitting a PR. Might not might not be approved, I guess, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, don't, I imagine it's a numbers game. Make sure you do your best in putting something, contributing into the open source library that you're using. But I think you brought up a good point. You take that first step, but that sounds very overwhelming, right? Like, I want to add something to Date.js as a package. Yeah, what do you want to add? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, that, that would be really overwhelming for me to do. And I think the question that we had here, how could you start? Like contributing to open source or not that it takes not so much so that it takes your life, but where do you start? Well, it's funny. Our, our other resident rabbit, Dave, mentioned that, okay, make it real simple, right? What if you find a spelling mistake somewhere in the library that you're using? Correct that typo, right? And then submit that PR. That could be a really, really easy place to start. Right. Because I know from 
my understanding, there are some open source libraries that have very interesting pull requests like templates that one may need to follow. And I think it happens when you're like, oh, I want to create a pull request. And I was like, okay, well then make sure you follow all these things, right? Imagine, you know, the pressure of putting in a new function and then you have this particular template that you need to follow. Throw that out the rules. window, right? It's if you like find that, if a lot of rules, if you just were able to change a typo and you had to deal with that, that's a lot more manageable <laughs> for you to then submit that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So find those typos and uh, spelling mistakes and, you know, do your best to just get your name and then you can brag to your friends, I guess, and be like, yo, I got my commit and date JS. So, <laughs> and that's the package that we're using, which is great. And I imagine that that's good feelings. That's the, I would say, the pathos of, uh, yeah, of open really source. Yeah, probably really rewarding, really rewarding to actually see your code out there being used by a bunch of folks in open source. Yeah, I imagine that is the the, the pathos aspect of this entire experience, right? It's like, oh, I feel good that a package that I created is being used, A, or a package that I'm contributing to is for a good cause, which I think is pretty cool. So let's say, Sophie, let's say you, you know, you found a typo, you made a, a pull request and it gets merged, and then you slowly build your confidence in this open source project. Loving it. And boom. You're a core contributor. Oh, wow. How'd that happen? I woke up one day and, <laughs> and there it was. Um, well, I think I think a core contributor may be an individual who has, you know, deep knowledge of the code base inside and out. Backwards and forwards and upside down. Exactly. And you if you started with base, the typo, like yeah, you know, well, you know, you breathe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Using using yeah. the package often and changing typos when needed and, and ensuring that things are working as intended and then be able to extend it allows you, you know, I would think that that is the definition of a core contributor to an open source project. Yeah, I think I think it can take a while to get there. Right. So I guess I can't expect to, to get there overnight or anything, but just to consistently contribute, like find my place within that open source community, which is pretty compelling, really. I, for example, let me share another quote from literature. To summarize the open access movement, uh, which is what we're talking about here, open source, open access, is an attempt to use the internet as a tool for free access to research and as a platform for scholarship to be built off of and improved. Uh, which is pretty fascinating. Reminds me of the Merrick Squires call out to Aaron Aaron Schwartz, where he's he basically like he was downloading articles for free, and then he got in a, a lot of trouble for that. So it's just this kind of tension here between like information, like why why are these paywalls in place so that we can't get information? What what sorts of barriers does that create like for us and within our society? That's problematic, right? And I think open source is like pushing against that a little bit. Yeah, because like, you know, people shouldn't have their access blocked because they don't have the monetary funds to information. Right. I think that's like the idea. Like you, people are down, you just keep them down. Yeah. And if, I mean, money, money makes the world go round. That's true. And I think open source is there to put a stop to that or, or push its constraints on that particular philosophy. I think one of the issues and the scary thing that rarely happens but can is when the open source 
project that you use and that you subscribe to for your production application may be taken over by a <laughs> malicious core contributor, right? I think that's like a, a fear that everyone has in their mind. And it rarely happens, but I know that it can. So please, whoever supports Slick Carousel, do not go rogue and like... That's not the ethos we're looking <laughs> for here. Yeah, that's not... That's not a good spirit of culture community putting infinite loops and in that carousel. Can you imagine? Oh my gosh. Or Zalgo text. That is the craziest thing ever. I do not want my production code to suddenly start speaking to Cthulhu. That's just not what I wanted to do <laughs> it's, at all. It's sort of objectively hilarious, but if it happened to me, no, I would not, would not want that in my project. <laughs> And I think, um, and we would have to assess, you know, rogue core contributors as to some of the reasoning behind why one would do that. And I think what we mentioned, we touched on before. I have the, I forget what's the term, but it's like the psychological safety of needs and oh, ensuring the pyramid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the the idea, it's like you know, make sure that. You know, open source is a place where you're allowed to share information and know that they're highly, it's highly likely that there will be no monetary gain when you do that. So, like trying to cripple your folks who subscribe to your particular package to force them to then suddenly pay and, you know, these funds, it would be like against the philosophy of open source. There may not be monetary compensation directly, but there's certainly other benefits. And I guess I could imagine that eventually there could lead to, you know, if you're contributing to open source and what you're doing is visible, people see the contribution you make, the value that you bring through these contributions, then ultimately that'll probably help your career too. Yeah. I mean, you have it on your resume. I made changes to Broccoli JS. <laughs> Sounds like a thing. Go after it. Yeah. Sounds good. Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.